Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today we're joined by the wonderful Mark Brooks to talk all about what we do in the shadows. And one of the elements of your performance that I'm really fascinated by, particularly looking back to when you first got this role and, and were developing Colin Robinson, is you're tasked with playing an energy vampire who kind of has to almost be intentionally dull in order to sap other people's energy. And at the same time, you've created this version of that that's incredibly entertaining and really engaging to watch on screen. And that's such a delicate balance in order to kind of create a dullness for the other characters in a scene that feels very realistic to the scenario and the setup of your character. And at the same time, having that cognizance that the audience still needs to be entertained. And so I was so fascinated by how you approach that incredibly unique challenge when you first were cast in this role. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the characters I've played um, have a tendency to be somewhat annoying, um, which I love. I love the, the eccentrics that you find out in the world and um, the people that are just a bit off center. Um, and you can look at that in a couple different ways when you're having a conversation with them. You can either be like, why is this person going on and on and on about uh, radial tires or airport codes? Um, and, and why are they disclosing so much about their private life? Um, and you can think, well, that's very annoying, or you can look at it as incredibly entertaining. Um, I love, I quote unquote weirdos. I, I think that they're really interesting. They're really special. In different times, they would have been celebrated, but in these times, everyone uh, wants to be kind of the eccentric person, personality on social media or what have you. And so I think a lot of these true eccentrics get lost in the shuffle. Um, I use that as a bit of a model um, and try to ground it to some extent. I think for me, I've never been a huge fan of sketch comedy or anything like that or improv comedy. Um, because a lot of times it's not grounded in any sort of character or the character is very two dimensional. I find what I find very, very funny is um, a character that's completely fleshed out and uh, still is able to, you know, make jokes and do uh, comedy. Um, so there's a bit of pathos there. I think that with Colin Robinson, I wanted him to have all those aspects, the the droning on about inane subjects and also a bit of a grounding. You kind of feel bad for him, I hope. Um, and but then also I am a comedian. And so <clears throat> that's the easy part for me is finding humor and getting people to laugh. Um, so hopefully I've threaded that all those needles enough to where you aren't too annoyed by the character, find him a bit endearing, if not repugnant, um, and grounded enough and funny enough that you, you buy into him. 
And I, I love what you're saying there about the elements of him that have to be incredibly grounded because that also comes to the foreground in the comedy where the situations around him and the circumstances that he's in can be absolutely ludicrously heightened for the setup of the show. But he as a character has to be grounded within those situations. And especially with the fact that, you know, he's not the guy telling the funniest joke at the bar and making the whole room laugh, but it's like the dry acerbic wit that's like very nuanced that kind of pulls us into the comedic side. And so when it came to the comedic sensibility of the character, was that a similar path to like finding the inroad of what is the comedic voice and sensibility? Because it's almost you're having to kind of like play things down to that very grounded space rather than allowing your performance to be Come heightened at any point. Yeah, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and um, my family is very dry, as are a lot of the friends I grew up with. Um, what we find funny oftentimes is either the absurd or the very um, dry. And I think that for Colin, I, I knew that the character could get very annoying very quickly. Um, and I was worried about that. Um, I didn't want to become um, the dynamite character. I didn't want to be the Fonz. And, uh, and so the, the approach I take as far as the dryness of the, the moments that are very heightened, I, I think that I, for me, I don't find comedians that think they're being funny, funny. Um, it's always kind of embarrassing to me. And we really do play the jokes out as if we don't find them funny. Um, they, they're very grounded as much as a vampire comedy can be. Uh, the way we play them is very grounded and dry. Um, you know, Matt Barry and I have spent most of our, the last two seasons together and we both approach jokes um, on the page the same way. Um, and I think if we were to kind of wink at the camera or show our hand a little bit, I think that ruins the character. I think it it does a huge disservice to the writers as well, um, and our writers are some of the best that you, you are in the game right now. And so I think playing those situations grounded is the right, right decision, and, and hopefully people respond to that the same way we want them to. I think they do. And, and you bring up the the writing there. And one of one of the things that's so brilliant about the way that this character has been written and shaped over several seasons now is early on, there were a lot of situations where for Colin Robinson, it was about draining people of their energy. And it was about that, that feeding for him. And as the seasons have progressed, we've really seen a lot of development in different relationship dynamics. And so there's it's it's kind of almost fun to try and figure out what his intentions are at times. You know, sometimes he's still energy feeding. Sometimes he's genuinely there showing up and caring about people. Um, do you have quite a clear idea of what his intentions are when you get the script scenes? Or is it just kind of like going in and kind of thinking very specifically about his motivations in a particular moment? Or how do you kind of determine, is this a moment where he's engaging because he wants something? Or is this a moment where he's being more altruistic as a character? 
A lot of times I play it as vaguely as possible, um, unless it's on the page. And I, I, I think that reflects a, a real life to some extent. Um, we're not, we don't always know what our true intentions are. A lot of it lies below the surface. And I feel like with Colin, it's also part of keeping the fan base guessing um, who this character is. Um, we're creating the mythology as we go along. Um, and so we get to have a lot of fun defining the rules and defining the character caricature, character traits of, uh, of an energy vampire. So I think vagueness is best in those types of situations, unless I know exactly how I uh, would react in real life, I think. And with, with that vagueness of character as well, he's also the character that we know the least about his backstory. Um, was that something that was helpful to you when you first came on board and were creating this character in terms of you essentially have a fairly blank roadmap in which you can build out those details for yourself? Or were there moments where there were certain details that you would have been helpful to know or helpful to have about his backstory, how he became a, an energy vampire and, and things like that? Yeah, I had no roadmap. Um, I rarely in comedy have roadmaps because I feel like being able to come up with uh, a line of improv or a an action that I didn't even know I was about to do is is best. And if I define a character before I go into play the character in comedy, I think that that can stifle some of that creativity. Um, as far as, you know, Jermaine Clement, who created the character, um, he was very, very open to, uh, my suggestions and having me really flesh out the character. Um, and, you know, in a lot, he directed the first two very Colin centric episodes. And his big thing was not going off of the script or not going, not using the script, basically. He, he loves improv. And so it gave me a lot of freedom um, to explore what I felt like this character should be. Um, and that's incredibly rare to get that opportunity. Um, and our writers and Paul Sims has done have done an incredible job at laying down a path for me to go on and then jump off if I feel the need. You know, early on, like you mentioned in that first season, I was draining so much. And you know, at the end of the season, I I and I I never do this. I really don't, but I I went and Paul and I are friendly even before the show. And so I went to Paul and I was just like, you know, I feel like if I just, if all Colin does is keep draining, it, it's going to be boring. And of course he was two steps ahead of me as usual and, and realized long before I did that we need to open up his world a little bit. Um, and so I, 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 I think that 
it's it, it's kind of a two-hander they've given me a lot of leeway um but they've also given me a lot of places that i can jump off of um nine times out of ten what's on the script is better um but like say when i go on my tangents uh like now um that is all improvised at this point just because i need to be able to know the subject and and <laughs> become a babbling brook of bs in order for it to seem real and in character um so all the ahs and ums that i put in that's just me trying to grab more information from the deep reaches of my brain um in order for it to seem realistic do you find do you find yourself in day-to-day -day life kind of paying attention to details and facts and information that you come across in a different way knowing that essentially you know you can you can stash it away in your memory and pull it out potentially for an improv for for one of his tangents that he goes on yeah, not i haven't noticed myself doing that um, I'm sure there's a part of my brain that's storing some of that. I will write down things uh, in the off season that I'm like, oh, I could talk about that. That's boring to most people. That's boring to my wife. I can talk about that. Um, so I'll, I'll jot down some of that stuff because in the moment you, you're not really, you may not remember what uh, a good topic is. Um, yeah. And you've also, in this season now, had one of the most unique opportunities in terms of what you're getting to do with this character, which is everything that you were just saying about not having that that initial roadmap of, of backstory for your character. You're now reverse engineering it, but after playing this character for several seasons and getting to explore, okay, well, what did it look like when he was a child? What type of things was he interested in? You know, what were his passions? Um, you know, with that great influx as well of the idea that you know is he already an energy vampire because he's there kind of boring laszlo with all sorts of different type of information and just child energy now um and so what is what are the ways in which that's really opened up the character for you in completely new ways and getting to reverse engineer the way that you're playing him thinking about him at younger ages but also having this huge foundation of where he's gone previously yeah that's a a great question and it's you know you, you when you hear that you're going to be turned into a baby you your heart drops a little bit there's been many a successful shows ruined by the inclusion of a baby um and, or a child character but i i knew that in this world it could work because it's basically a cartoon um and the writing's so good and so i felt like that part was secure the part that could go wrong was my my performance um and so like i've mentioned we improvise quite a bit on the show but i'm i couldn't really translate that all all that much when i'm playing a toddler or a tween um because they don't have the knowledge that a 44 year old person has um, to draw upon. And so I had to, and it was very refreshing kind of see through in a very actorly BS way, see through Colin's eyes at that age, 
and then take kind of what I was thinking at that age. And again, it's silly, but um, and see if I can meld the two and come up with a coherent facsimile of what a Colin child would be. Um, and that, and that, that sounds a it's, it's a very highfalutin way for saying I um, pretended. Uh, <laughs> I, and so to some extent, there were the constraints of when I got a lot of the footage for my performance, it was already locked. And they had already done the scenes, filmed the scenes, and then I was just doing my acting part opposite of what was already set in stone. And so the improvisation was even tighter and more confined. Um, and that's how it should have been though, because a child isn't, doesn't have a dry wit about them like Colin might have, um, or a sardonic view of the world that Colin would have. Um, Hopefully it worked. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I hope it did, though, because I don't want to be the, the reason people stop watching this damn show. Did you have to think as well about the, the delivery of dialogue in a very different way? Because even just the intonation that now he's a slightly older child and before he says everything, he's like, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? And and there's such like a hurried, like, I need to tell you everything. It's so important. I have to tell you this thing right now. Like they used a real plane in Miss Saigon. You know, it's it's nothing actually urgent. Um, <laughs> and so did you find yourself having to think very differently about the dialogue delivery because kids speak at a totally different pace with a totally different intention? A hundred percent. I, you know, Paul has, he recorded his children and would send me some of those snippets um, about them going off on Roblox, which I still have no idea what Roblox is. And I went on YouTube and I searched so many uh, uh, toddler meltdown or toddler excited um, tween meltdown uh, teenage uh, crying, the stuff like that um, to help me kind of hone what that was. And, you know, we forget a lot of the those moments of our childhood and our developmental stages. And, you know, we have a few years between each developmental stage. What was it like for Colin Robinson, who has to do it within a season of TV? Um, would it be more heightened? Uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, a lot of that came into, in, in, into play, how he would talk. Do I do a higher voice? Um, the one, the only rule I gave to them was please don't make him cute. Don't make him adorable. I didn't want a baby Yoda, uh, or a, uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen radical dude situation that was um it's just not Colin to be cute <laughs> I also I love the fact that he has now become the main act at Nadia's nightclub as well that the vampires are just absolutely enthralled by and he's selling out the club night by night um and so that's also another element as well of of like what does Colin Robinson sound like as a singer and as a performer 
as a child, um, which is very different from the the singing voice that you gave him in a previous episode where he was enthralled by a siren and was singing right. alongside her. Um, and so how were those two very different beats for you in terms of what does Colin Robinson sound like when he's singing, you know, A, when he's being enthralled by a siren or B, when he's a child music performer, because those are totally different things that you're doing in those instances. Yeah, one was, the one with the siren is, you know, Adele Collins sings in this gross falsetto. Um, and I, I find I the reason I did that early on was I wanted him to have something that he actually um, takes seriously or um, genuinely. And I think when he's singing, he's genuine about it and serious. And I feel like when he does a falsetto, it means he's putting thought into it, into how into his performance. I guess again, this is just stupid me thought. Um, and so with Baby Colin, I wanted it also to be very genuine. Um, and with Baby Colin, he doesn't or toddler Colin tween Colin. He hasn't gone through puberty yet, so his voice hasn't already dropped to where he would need to do an, a falsetto. So with that, I just kept it how I would normally sing a very nasally child um, voice. Again, these are all me wandering around in the dark, but hopefully they they uh, translate. And. You know, in terms of of the delivery of your performance as well, and the fact that you were saying there's there's a lot of space to try different things and to improv moments. Um, I love how you've talked in the past about how sometimes the most powerful thing or sometimes the funniest thing is actually to say less and to do less. Um, and is that something that with the extent of your experience in comedy, even before coming onto this show, that you always kind of found yourself leaning in towards at certain moments? Or do you feel like through playing this character and having this steady relationship with him over several seasons that you've kind of found those moments a little bit more with him where it, it works better at certain instances to strip away a line of dialogue to land a certain intention? A hundred percent. I think a lot of comedians make the mistake of thinking that they need to inject something in the silence. Um, and you don't let that breathe, let there be space, let it seem real. Uh, if you give a breath or two before you your line, it's only going to hit harder. Um, and don't don't just regurgitate what the first thought that came into your head that you think is funny, because you could be taking away a great moment of silence from the rest of the cast or from the person that you're working with. Um, as far as Colin has gone on, I think a lot of times Colin's mere presence can be funny in a scene um, or just my face, how I react with the facial expression. I think we, we, we can quickly forget that it's a mockumentary and that it's supposed to be a documentary. Um, 
And in documentaries, there's a hell of a lot of silence. And again, I think that only heightens the joke when there's uh, some silence. Now that's, that's hard to do, I'm sure for the editing, uh, the editors, because for goodness sakes, they, they have to whittle down a 30 minute show to 22 minutes. And so the luxury of having uh, silence is minimal um, in, in the final outcome. I think you're so right in everything that you're saying there, because that is so much of of what lands certain comedic moments, just as much as as the the dialogue and the delivery. And it's always such a delight watching your performance in the show and and everything mm. else that you do. So thank you so much for talking about it. Really appreciate it, Mark. Oh, please, thank you. That's very <laughs> kind of you. <laughs>